Pastor John, it's good to see you again. We're continuing our series through the core values at Sagemont. And uh, thank you so much for being with us. You know, for all those that are that are joining us today, they're new. Pastor John is the founding pastor of Sagemont, longtime only pastor of Sagemont. So we're glad you're here, Pastor. One of the core values of Sagemont, and this is number five, is, um, is excellence. And um, you say in the website, so we believe that excellence honors God and influences people demonstrated by doing our best with what God has provided. So tell us a little bit about why did you choose excellence? Um, I think there's a lot of churches out there in the world that don't value this. And, uh, you know, you've been to church services and, and they, these are good people. They love the Lord, and, but, but it, there's not an excellence to what they do. Why did you choose this as a core value of Sagebond? Well, I think whatever we do in word or deed, we ought to do it all to the glory of God. Amen. Uh, everything we do represents Him. Uh, God gave His only Son. He gave His perfect Son, His Son without spot and without blemish. And the church, the bride of Christ, needs to be excellent Reflect. in everything. Yeah. It, it ought to be like your bride, my bride. We want them to to put the best foot forward, do everything we can to help in that. And so uh, churches, I think so many, we get lazy and we don't do that because, well, I've got other things that are more important and, and so forth. But excellence attracts the uh, music, the teaching, the audio, the visual, the yard, all of those things. If they're done right, it just attracts people. If you have to put up signs, around town to tell the people how great your church is, you're probably not that great. That's good. You want to be on the front page of your local paper for free. You want to see this bride, the church, really represents the Lord well. I think you just hit on it. Um, and I couldn't agree with you more because Jesus is no longer walking around you know, in the flesh, He lives in us. And so if people are going to see Jesus, they're going to see Him through us. And so thank you for being here with us today. It's thank good you. talking to you once again. Always. Well, good morning. We give the Lord praise this morning, and what a great video about excellence. And Pastor Matt, if you're wondering if I'm him, I'm not. I'm his son. <laughs> no, I represent all of us senior adults in this room. We're good. We're glad to be here today, but we are so glad you're here. We're glad you're here, and we're going to continue to lift up the Lord. Our pastor has been serving the body of Christ, speaking with the uh, president of the Southern Baptist Convention this last week at a conference, and somehow by default I get the, the core value of excellence. I haven't figured that one out, but I can tell you this, I do know the person who is excellent. When we talk about ministry, when we talk about what's at the core, let me tell you what's at the core. What's at the core of my life and what's at the core of your life, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, is the most excellent one. We have no option but to do ministry in an excellent way because we represent Him and not ourselves. So we're here today. If you came to hear from Pastor Matt Carter, you will be disappointed because I'm not him. 
And guess what? I'm not trying to be like him. I love him. We've become wonderful friends. I love serving in team with him. But I am gifted by God just like you're gifted by God. And each of us, when we do our part in the body of Christ, when we serve out of Christ in you, the hope of glory, then we represent him. And then ministry becomes excellent because excellence is only defined by the one who drops the plumb line of excellence, and that's Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at Colossians chapter 1 today, verses 27 through 29. And you probably wouldn't think of this passage as being about excellence, but it actually is. Paul is writing in the context of suffering. He's talking about as a minister of the gospel, that he is in the midst of suffering. He is in the midst of hardship. And he is wanting Jesus to do in him and for the church of Colossae to experience the excellence of Christ in their lives. And so a lot of times when we go through suffering, we need hope. And when we need hope, we're usually at the end of our rope. We're usually kind of in a time that's difficult. And some of you may be in a very difficult situation this morning. We're certainly in a difficult situation in our country. We have a sin pandemic. We are all born in sin. And people are reaching and trying to fix things themselves, but there's only one person who can fix it, and there's only one solution, and his name is Jesus Christ. So in the midst of the suffering in the church of Colossae, in the midst of false teaching, Paul is going to lift up the excellent one. In Colossians chapter 1, he refutes all error by lifting up the truth of Jesus. You know what a lot of churches do? They go and they attack all the, the false teaching, and they go out and they run out and they try to put all these fires out. You get tired doing that. Let me tell you what Paul does in Colossians. He lifts up the all-sufficient Christ, and the truth of lifting up the all-sufficient Christ stands in the face of error, and that's what we do. Sagemont Church. We stand with the truth of God's Word in the midst of a culture that's lost its way. When Christ and culture collide, Christ wins, not culture. And that's what Paul is saying in the book of Colossians. Let me see if I can explain it to you like this. A few years ago, I was uh, working and serving on a farm, serving my family by ministering to my grandmother in a nursing home. She had uh, a lot of acres of land. And when you're in a small town and there's uh, wide open fields in Kansas and you see smoke going up in the sky, you begin to think, could that be our piece of property? And I found out one day it was. So I decided as I saw the smoke going up in southwest Kansas, I would just take a ride like I would to check the fields. And so I went and took a ride and a police officer stopped me and he said, you can go no further. And I said, I see that the fire's coming this way. And I said, that's my grandmother's land right here. In the midst of me talking, all of a sudden, not only were there fire trucks in the field, but there were tractors that were pulling plows and discs. And they were disking all the land around where the fire was coming because they were turning the dirt because there was a lot of grassland. And what happened was when they moved over to the grassland and they cut a path of dirt, that fire and that wind, the, the circumstances were just right for a little spark to cause a fire to begin to wipe out land. And we see that happening in California. 
And what happened was, they, they, in, in Kansas, this is the way they did. They plowed the field up. In my grandmother's land, they made a, a pathway. And they cut a piece of uh, property, and they just cu- uncovered the dirt. And when I sat there and watched, and when the fire crossed over the road, it stopped when it hit the dirt. It had nothing else to be able to cause it to fuse and to fuel. And I thought about that for a moment. That's the way it is in ministry. A lot of people catch the fire of Christ and they realize Christ is in them and they come to salvation through faith in Jesus Christ and the excellent one has deposited his excellent life in them and this fire begins to burn and they're on fire but what happens is they meet a spot in the road that's cut out and the fire goes out. And here's why the fire goes out. We begin to do ministry in the flesh. Do you know your flesh can do ministry? Do you know that ministry, all that we call ministry may not be ministry? We'll stand before God one day and he'll determine what was ministry and what was flesh. He said, what was of the flesh will burn for miles and miles and miles and miles. But what was done with Christ in you, the hope of glory, with my power and my passion and my purpose in your life, that will last forever. So the apostle Paul is talking to a group of people and they are in Colossae and they've got all kinds of false teaching. And he's going to say, let me just lift up the excellent one so you can see what excellent ministry looks like. Let's look at the text together. Colossians chapter 1, 27 to 29. If you finish before I do, just let me know. Raise your hand. (laughs) To whom God will, Paul said, to whom God will to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, here's excellent ministry, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Watch this. We proclaim him, that's excellence, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. That's what Paul was wanting to do with excellent ministry, with Christ being uh, in his life and Christ uh, speaking through him and the church at Colossae doing the work of ministry. He was wanting to present every man complete in Christ. Why? Because when every man is presented complete in Christ, in other words, mature in Christ, that means excellent ministry is taking place according to the word of God. And that's what he says. For this purpose I also labor, striving according to his power, excellence, which works mightily within me. That's what the apostle Paul says. Notice what the text says. He uses the word mystery here in verse 27. He says, the riches of the glory of this mystery. Now, a mystery is not something that cannot be known. A mystery is something that is concealed, but only is revealed by revelation. So that which was hidden, that which was not revealed, was now revealed to the people, was revealed to the church at Colossae, which was revealed to the Gentiles. And so that which could not be known unless it was revealed to them, that which was hidden is now revealed. And when it's revealed, it's now fulfilled in you. So when Christ comes to live in your life, the mystery of salvation Did you know salvation is a mystery? See, people don't understand what's happened to you. They don't understand what's happened to me. It's a mystery. 
Christ comes into our life. He has to turn the light bulb on in our heart. He draws us unto himself. And that which was concealed is now revealed in us. And now we have a light that we can see. Christ, the light of all lights, lives in us. Christ in me, the hope of glory. It's not a mystery anymore. I now have insider information. You go to jail in Wall Street for sharing insider information. You get out of jail for free by having an experience with this mystery, which is Jesus Christ has a plan for your life. It's an eternal purpose in the kingdom of God. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Don't tell me, don't tell me we're about Sagemont Church. We are all about Sagemont Church. It's all about Sagemont Church. It's not about Sagemont Church. It's about the King. It's about the King. The mystery. See, outsiders, people who have never experienced a relationship with Jesus Christ, they don't understand this mystery that's been revealed in us. See, they think, what's happened to these people? Tell them to walk off the stage and not fulfill their purpose. No, see, outsiders only observe. Insiders have an experience of a relationship with Jesus Christ. So Paul says this mystery. Has that happened to you? Has Jesus Christ come into your life? Has he saved you? Has he changed you, or are you just a church member? Go to church. I do good. I help old ladies across the street. I give money. My goodness, I give all the money I can. That won't get you into heaven. What gets you into heaven is when the mystery of Christ is revealed to you, and you repent of your sins. You trust Jesus as your Savior, and he puts his beautiful life in you, and you're no longer the same. He changes people on the inside. Paul is saying the focus of the church at Colossae is Christ in you in the midst of all this false teaching. Christ in you. Notice what he says. He says it's a mystery. So the idea is that the divine desire of God is he wants to dwell in you. Notice what the text says. It's a mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ. Look at this. Christ in you. Now you here is plural. We would say in the South, you all. But here, Paul was used the term you. He's, he's speaking to Jews and Gentiles because in Philemon's house where this church would be, there were Jews and Gentiles who were social distancing, not because of a pandemic. They were social distancing because they didn't believe the other person deserved to be in Christ like they were in Christ. So you had the Jews who were saying, hey, we've been converted to Christ, but you got to keep the Sabbath. So they're saying, I wish you guys over here on this side of the living room would experience all that we have, this mystery. And then you have the Gentiles over here who were outsiders, who now have become insiders because the mystery's been revealed to them. They had come out of mysticism. They're dealing with angels. You'd see that later in chapter 3. And they're saying, you should cross over and come over here. Here's what Paul says. You are both different, but you're the same in Jesus Christ. You don't need to social distance anymore. Listen, it doesn't matter if you come to the blended service at 930 or the contemporary service at 1115. Don't ever let the music divide you. Christ unites us as a faith family in this church. Not the music. It's, it's excellent in both services. I'll be in both of them today. I'll be so full by the time I end, I'll take a nap and I will not get up. And pastor will be back next week. We're good. 
But Christ in you, he wants to dwell in you. Listen, Paul says Christ in you, that's the excellent way. That's the excellent one. You want a power that's not of yourself? You want a power that's of Christ? Get Christ into your life. Christ does not want to visit you. He wants to habitate you. A lot of people in church want a visitation. There's an old hymn we used to sing. Come, Lord, pass, Jesus is passing me by, passing me by. I hope you come and visit me. Jesus doesn't want to visit you. He wants to take over your life. He wants to habitate. He wants a habitation, not a visitation. That's what Christ in you is. That's why we do excellent ministry. You don't want a connection teacher today, as we have 52 iConnect classes. You don't want a teacher who didn't prepare to stand before you. That's not representing the excellence of Christ in you. You don't want someone in children's ministry or student ministry that's just highlighted a few words to tell your students. You don't want somebody who greets that doesn't greet you in the name of Christ in you. You don't want somebody in some service ministry that's doing things sloppy and shabbily because that doesn't represent Christ. What motivation do we need to be excellent in ministry? Only one, Christ in me is my motivation. He's my motivation. Some of you can experience that life today. It's a beautiful thing. So here's what Paul says, Christ in you, Christ in you. Now turn to 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 and 4. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. It kind of talks about this, Peter does, this concept. He says this, seeing that his divine power, watch this, has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him, look at this, who has called us by his own glory and excellence. There it is. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them, look at the text, you may be partakers of the divine nature of God. I'm a partaker of the divine nature of God. Christ lives in me. Christ lives in you. I, have, I am sharing in the divine nature of God. One of the divine natures of God is he's a God of love. So you can't tell me, I don't love that person. We don't really get along very well. Let me tell you something. You have no option but to love that person because the divine nature of God and the radiance of God, Jesus, in you causes you to love the person that you don't even think you can love. It's a power that's greater than that. Now, if you try to love them in the flesh, you won't be able to. That's the point of excellent ministry. You and I don't have the power to make it happen. We don't have the power to make effective ministry happen, but he does. So because we are divine partakers of his nature, his nature lives in me in the power of the Holy Spirit. And Paul says, go back to Colossians here, that Jesus Christ in you, the hope of glory. So Christ in you produces a hope. Christ in you produces the ability to do what you can't do. That's why we do excellent ministry. Let me give you an example of this. Christ in you and you in Christ. This is unthinkable. To think that he is in me, watch this, and I am in him, that's a dual revelation. So Jesus has relocated me from a sin relationship into a saving relationship and he has transformed me and done the unthinkable that he has deposited his life in me. So the fire is in me. The fire of excellence to cross the road and to keep on burning is in me. I'll give you another illustration about a fire. One time, long time ago, 
when I was young and had hair like our pastor. <laughs> we would camp out in Florida, and they had a little poker that you would put in the fire, and you put this poker in the fire to stir the fire to get the flame to continue to, to move forward, and there would be sparks that were flying. So you, you had to get the fire in the poker, and when you get the fire in the poker, then I decided just to lay the poker down off the side. And all of a sudden, there's a grass fire right here. See, you have to get the fire in the poker to get the poker in the fire. It's a reciprocal dwelling. I'm trying to explain to you the excellence of ministry here. What's at the core of everything we do? It's Christ in us. You've got to get the fire in the poker to get the poker in the fire. Christ in me. He is in me. And you are in him. You are hidden in Christ in God. The mystery is not concealed anymore. It's revealed to your heart. And we have no option but to do excellent ministry. The future of Sagemont is super bright because Christ is in charge of the church. And he's just asking us to be used and available for him to do something through us that we can't do. Now watch this. Here's what Paul says. Verse 27. Christ in you produces something. Look at verse 27. Hope. Produces hope. Christ in you produces hope. You know what hope is? Hope is not like, I hope so. I, uh, we use hope in a term in uh, our society that it's kind of iffy. I, I hope you feel better. If you're sick today, I hope you feel better. I have no power to make you feel better. But my hope is, my earnest expectation is that you will feel better. I hope that things go well. I hope that when you get with this certain group of people, I hope you're not still mad at the person that you've been mad at for 35 years. I hope that you can get past that. So I'm just hoping, but it's an iffy hope. But the word hope in the Bible is an anticipation with an expectation, and it's an absolute certainty that it's going to happen. That's the difference between the hope that we hope for and the hope that uh, is in Jesus Christ. Because this hope that I have in Jesus, watch this, Christ is in me, which means that hope is in me, which means that glory is in me. That's what the text means. So the hope that I have is Christ in me produces hope. And so the idea is that I'm anticipating something. I have hope now. I have hope right now in my situation. No matter what situation you're facing, do you know what? I have hope now because I have the God of hope who lives in me. So it's not like I hope Freeman can make it. I hope I can continue to walk through difficult times in my own personal life. Listen, I hope because I have a biblical certainty and I know that I can walk through it with the power of Christ in me. I don't have to hope and say, I hope I can pull up my, my uh, uh, and that's an old school term, I won't use it. Well, I can't in this crowd. <laughs> well, anyway, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you know, that kind of thing. But here's the hope I have, the expectation and the anticipation that what God has promised me, he's going to deliver on his promises. God has promised me I've got hope now because Christ is, lives in me. But I have hope forever because I'll live with him in eternity because of my relationship with him. So the idea is that God has the power. When you think about your situation today and you think about, I feel very hopeless in my marriage. I feel very hopeless because of the decisions that my kids are making. I feel very hopeless because I have cancer in my body and I just don't feel like there's any hope. Can I tell you something? Those cancer cells do not exist apart from Jesus Christ being in your life. Do you understand that? Your kids may make bad decisions. 
you may be going through the most difficult time in your marriage and you may hope that it turns out okay, but I can tell you this, God, the God of hope has the power to fix it now, but he will sure fix it down the road. So I got hope now and I got hope later. I got hope surrounding me everywhere. I got biblical certainty hope that Christ is in me and that I have the power, not out there, the power is in here to make a difference in my life. And only Jesus Christ can do the work of Jesus Christ. He can fix any situation, but sometimes he doesn't fix any situation here. But I'll tell you, one day he'll fix it all. He'll fix it all. That's hope. Christ in you... This is what the text says. Christ in you, the hope, the hope of glory. Now notice what the text says. Glory, the word glory. I got to finish up here. I'm I'm, I'm on a timeline here. The, The hope of glory. Now Paul says this. What is glory? Glory is mine right now. Watch this. Christ in me, the hope now of glory right now. I have glory in me. Why? Because I have the radiance of God in me. Why? Because Jesus lives in me. Turn to Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. It'll explain it a little bit. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. Here's what the text says. And he, that's Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his nature. And he upholds all things by the word of his power. When he made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty of God. So I have glory. Glory is not only on my road right now. Not only is God wanting to get glory in the situation that I'm in, the situation that you're in, the mess that you're in. See, there's nothing that a resurrected Christ can't do in your situation and in my situation to show his glory. So I've got glory in me because Christ is in me. And it says in the text, the radiance of God is in me. And God is not looking for perfect people to start doing ministry of excellence. He's not looking for that. Or you've got to really have it all together before you start doing excellent ministry. Here's what he's saying. I use people who are cracked pots. Remember Paul says we have this earthen, we have this treasure that's in earthen vessels. So God's not looking for a perfect pot. He's willing to use people like you and me who are cracked pots, who still don't always yield to the spirit, who sometimes walk in the flesh. But he's saying, because I've put my radiance in you, because my glory is in you, I am strong enough and powerful enough to shine through the cracks in your life. Jesus wants to do that in your life. He wants to shine through the cracks. Some of you are waiting to do ministry till you get it all together. Join the rest of us who don't have it all together and just get busy focusing on the one who's excellent in ministry, which is Christ, and let Christ produce his glory through your cracked life. And when he produces his glory through your cracked life, people will be drawn to him and not you. That's what the text says. He's the hope of glory. Jesus working in us. Paul says this to the church at Colossae. Christ in you, excellent. Hope, excellent. Glory, excellent. That's what he's saying. Jesus in us, working his grace, his mercy, his righteousness in us. That gives us glory now. But let me tell you what our future holds. Paul's also pointing to our future that holds glory. There's going to be a day when the effect of sin is no longer going to have a grip on us. That's future glory. There's going to be a day when you're never going to desire to sin. 
See, you're going to, right now, we desire to desire the things that he desires for us to desire, which is his life in us. So we are bent not toward sin. We are bent toward a righteous relationship of holiness because of what Christ has provided to us in his perfect uh, salvation to us. But the idea is this, that one day, that sin that, that besets us, that sin that causes us not to do ministry in excellent ways sometimes, there will be a day when the effects of sin are gone. And I will only desire what is good and perfect and righteous and holy because I'll be in the presence of the God who says, you can't get into my presence unless you are perfect. And I know I can't get into his presence unless I am perfect. So I say, but I've received the perfect one in Jesus Christ, his sacrificial blood on Calvary's cross. When God looks at me, he looks at me as perfect because of Jesus Christ. The hope of glory, my future and your future. Do you know there will be a day when there's no more sickness? There's no more pain. There will be a day when you won't ache anymore getting out of bed. You'll be able to get out of your recliner and it won't ever hurt again. Why? Because I have the hope of Christ in me, which is future glory. It's not only glory now for ministry and Christ in me produces a ministry through me that he gets all the glory for. But one day I will be in his presence forever and forever and forever worshiping and honoring the one who saved me. And guess what? The ministry, I will be worshiping him forever. And so will you if you know him. But some of you will never get there because you're trying to get there on your own merit and your own strength. You're saying, I'm a good person. So what? I really feel like I'm better than my neighbor. Quit comparing yourself to your neighbor. The only way you can get to heaven, listen to me carefully, the only way you can experience Christ in you, the hope of glory, is to repent of your sin this morning and say, Jesus, I've been trying to make it happen. I've been trying to be excellent in my marriage, and I can't. It's about to end in divorce. I've been trying to be excellent in my work, on my job, and I can't be excellent. And I realize today that the, the reality is I don't have any excellent power in me. And all you have to do today is receive Jesus as your Savior. Let the hope of glory come and shine through your life. And let him deposit forgiveness in your heart and hope in your heart and peace in your heart. Let him clothe you with himself. Paul says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Verse 28 and 29, and we're closing down. <clears throat> we proclaim him. That's Sagemont Church right there. We don't proclaim a religion. We proclaim him, Jesus Christ. The word proclaim means to proclaim with your lips and preaching and teaching, but it also means to model it with your life. And there's a warning inherent in this word here. It means to proclaim. We say what we live. The message is both preached and lived. It's not a religion. It's a relationship. Think of all the religious leaders. Here's what they tell you. All religious leaders tell you this. Religion is external. Follow my sayings. You ever heard that? What Aristotle and Socrates, follow my sayings. Buddha, follow my meditations. Noble pillars, Confucius. All these religious leaders tell you to follow something about them, but they can never say, follow me. Because there's no life 
in what they're saying. They're telling you to get hooked in to a religious mindset and be like they are and uh, follow them in their sayings, in their teaching, in their pillars. Watch this. Jesus Christ says, follow me because he's alive. He doesn't just say, follow my teachings. Listen, we follow the teachings of Jesus because we follow the person of Jesus Christ. See, Jesus says, follow me. He's the only person that offers us a relationship. All other religions, and and Jesus is not a religion. That shows you all religions are external. Jesus, he's internal. That's That's what Paul's saying. We proclaim him who is internal, who can change your life. We don't proclaim a Sunday school lesson. We don't proclaim an iConnect class. We don't proclaim a worship service. We don't proclaim that we're the best church on the corner. There's a lot of churches that are proclaiming him. But what we better do if we're going to do excellent ministry in this church is we better stay geared and focused and riveted on we proclaim him. We proclaim him. And I think it's evident that our pastor is doing that. It's a pleasure to serve with him and the other staff. Now, I'll close with this. Here's what Paul says. How do we do it? For this purpose, I labor. That means there's some intense effort in this thing. It's not a passive life. Christ in you is not this passive life where you say, well, Jesus is in me. I'll just let him do all the work. Listen, that's the most ridiculous statement on grace I've ever heard. Let me, let me tell you what grace does to you. When we labor and we strive, watch this. There's effort. There's agonizing. But watch this. It's not us. It's him. He produces a labor in us. And he produces a striving in us. And it's his striving and it's his labor. So you've got 100% me who Christ in me, he lives in me. It's 100% me cooperating with him. But it's 100% of his power in my life. You want a marriage that sizzles? That's old school. (laughs) Let Christ be the excellent one in your marriage. Husbands, you love your wife as Christ loved the church. And you know how he loved her? He served her. He wasn't demanding things over her. Christ in you producing a power to be the lover of your wife. Christ in you who shows us that it's his power and it's his strength and it's his life. There's nothing I can bring to the table other than a surrendered heart. And when I bring that surrendered heart, he goes, Freeman, I'm going to infuse your life with my power and you haven't seen anything yet. That's what he's saying. For I labor, strive, look at the text, according to his power, not mine, that's excellent ministry, which works, look at the text, within me. This power works within me. Christ in me. Christ in you. Pastor said this a few weeks ago. When each person does their part in the body of Christ, the church grows. You say, oh, Freeman, you're the minister. Pastor Matt, you're the minister. No, you're the minister. We're the equippers. You're the minister. That's what the text says. You're the minister. You're the one who ministers to people. Our job is to lift up Jesus to equip you with the word of God so that you can take all the equipping and go out from your iConnect classes, from the services, from anything that you hear, the teaching of the word of God so that ministry can flow through you. He works mightily in us. I'll close with this illustration. A long time ago, when the Houston Oilers, I still have my pom-pom, Love you, Blue. My friend Lane Dyke, who was in the 
we were both in student ministry at the time. He's now in heaven. But he had, Cody Carlson was his roommate who was the backup quarterback for Warren Moon of the Houston Oilers. And so one day Lane Dyke called me and he said, hey, Freeman, what are you doing? I said, I'm doing ministry. He said, hey, you want to come down to the Oilers practice field near Fannin Street? I can get you in. I said, I'll be there. God can do ministry through anyone. <laughs> At that moment, it, I desired to be where I needed to be with him. So this is true. This is before security. We walked into the practice field. We walked into the locker room. Me and Lane Dyke, and the first person I saw was Warren Moon. He's about six foot one. Looks up, he's about that big around. I said, you've got to be kidding me. Incredible quarterback. Then I walked further into the locker room. There's Mike Munchek, no neck. <laughs> Sean Jones, wingspan of 7'12", defensive end. All these big linemen, big tight ends, Chris Dishman, Ernest Givens, Haywood Jeffries. Uh, there were all kinds, of, but I felt like I was in the presence of power. I just stood there, and I felt like I was in the presence of power. And then it hit me. I'm in the presence of power every day of my life. Christ in me. Jesus Christ doesn't have to go get strength. He is strength. And guess where he lives? Right here in me. Oh, Sagemont. Could we do excellent ministry for the rest of our days if each of us would just focus on the excellent one and ask Jesus to do through us what only he can do because he doesn't have to get strength. He is strength. Do you know that kind of power today in your life? Have you ever experienced the grace of God? Have you ever experienced the excellency of Jesus coming to live in your heart and forgive you of your sin? If you've never done that today, if you're watching online with us, what a day to experience the excellency of his power, of Christ in you, the hope of glory, who will do through you in ministry and in your marriage and in your job and in your children and in your school what you can never, ever, ever, ever do on your best day. It's Christ in you. Would you bow your head? Father, we come this morning. What a privilege to be able to talk about what's at the core of excellence. I pray, God, that you would touch the people's hearts in this room. God, what an incredible opportunity we have to experience the power of your life. You're all-powerful. You're beautiful. You're good. You're majestic, you're holy, you're righteous, you're perfect. You're, you're all of these things, and yet you tell us that we can share in the divine nature of God when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. I pray for people in this room that have never trusted you as Savior. They've trusted in a religion. They've trusted in sayings. They've trusted in pillars They've trusted in their job, but they've never trusted you. Would you speak life and hope to them in this moment? May we experience the excellency of Christ in our lives right now. If you don't know him, as we sing this beautiful song, just say, dear Jesus, have mercy on my soul and save me. 
for those of us that do know him, let's sing about the power of Christ in us, in you, in me, for his glory and for his good. Amen.